Well, uh, to say this has been a long-awaited conversation, a long-awaited interview would be an understatement. Uh, the truth is ever since uh, it was announced uh, a year ago that Rabbi Yisrael Besser would be writing a book about the life of Rabbi David Trank, whose yard site, by the way, his first yard site is tonight, the 27th of uh, Sivan. Um, once it was announced that he'd be writing this book, um, from that time forward, frankly, I've been looking forward to this morning where we'd be able to uh, speak about Rabbi Trank's life, uh, to call him a unique mechanech and a unique Jewish leader is not sufficient, a description for him. I think you'll pick that up during our conversation this morning. The book is brand new, literally. I mean, it is, uh, you know, r- right off the uh, the printing press, so to speak. Uh, right off the fancy brand new modern machines that they have now at the uh, brand new Art Scroll headquarters in New Jersey. Uh, the book is called Just Love Them, The Life and Legacy of Rabbi David Trank. And it's available... It's available right now from Artscroll, artscroll.com, or at their retailers. And I must say, I got to put this in there because why not? Uh, everything in the month of June, including the brand new books, everything in the month of June, including the brand new books, is 25% off at artscroll.com and at their retail outlets, the Judaica stores you are familiar with in your community and in your neighborhood. So check it out. Um, you will enjoy this book tremendously, like I did when I completed it yesterday. And with us live via telephone is one of the hardest men to reach, but nonetheless always makes himself available with his crazy schedule for us here at JM and the AM. And for that, we are always grateful. Prolific author and columnist, Rabbi Yisrael Besser, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you so much, Nachman. It's so exciting to be here. I always marvel. It's not the first time, and it's not the second time. I don't even think it's the third time. And you always manage to say more or less the same thing in the introduction in different words. <laughs> Ever innovative, Nachman Siegel. Such a pleasure to listen to you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, Rabbi Besser, I complimented you. Um, it must be about a year ago. I don't remember exactly. Uh, I complimented you uh, when you had completed the book about Rabbi Mayer Zlotowitz. Uh, speaking of using the same expression, I think the compliment was you've written a great Musser safer. And uh, mm-hmm. a, and excuse the repetition, especially after your kind opening words, uh, but again, I will say to you about this book about Rabbi Trank, you have written a great Musser safer. I, I don't know, at this point, maybe we have to come up with a special moniker for you, like the Bali Musser <laughs> in our history have had. <laughs> if, you can, if you continue to produce such great Mussers for him that we're going to continue to learn from. And I know that you know what I mean by that uh, when I say Musser safer. You want to know how to conduct your life. You want to know how to treat people. You want to know as a Rebbe, you know, certain strategies, even if not every one of Rabbi Trank's uh, strategies work into your personality still, there are many, many things to be learned that one could bring into the classroom and utilize outside the classroom. Do you agree, Rabbi Besser? There's a lot to learn from this book. I, I, I do agree there's a lot to learn. I would take issue with the classification, if I may. Yeah, sure. If I may. <laughs> of course. I, I, you know, the term Musser is definitely applicable in many situations. I don't know if it applies to David Frank. I think if I was trying to find a single term or moniker, use your word, that describes David Frank, it would really just be a Jew. And what I mean by that is, there's different books that you read. Sometimes you read a book about a Godel, and you find out tools that you can work to access. A Musa Safer, you can work on this, you can perfect yourself in this area, you can develop this media. And then there's other books you read, and you say, I really have all this inside of me, and it's really there for the taking, and it's free. Everybody has a smile. Everybody sees that, you know, if you're looking to be Rabbi Trank, there's people all around you who need Rabbi Trank in their life. Right. The warmth, the smile, the kindness, the faith, the optimism, whatever it is that's going to keep you in this book. So he was just pure, you know, uh, Rabbi Yabudni, I wrote this, and he really said it by the Hespit as well. He said, why isn't every rabbi or teacher like Rabbi Trank? Why isn't everybody jumping up and down and singing and dancing every time they teach a thesis or every time somebody asks a good question or every time a Talmud makes them proud? Because we get embarrassed, we get humiliated, we make our little calculations that I'm going to look like a weirdo if I jump up on a, on a chair, right? Right, right. So Rabbi Budni said, the way that Hashem made man, man is really very simple. Very, not, not such a complex being. But the people make themselves crazy. What's my wife going to think? What are my in-laws going to think? What are my listeners going to think? What are my readers going to think? How is this going to be perceived? 
So he said, never drank, never gave into that. He never made that first husband. He lived like a child, with the purity of a child, doing what he felt was right at every moment. Right. So if you went through the book, you know, I don't know if the gallery, if the free copy you got has pictures. So you'll yeah. see a picture of a man, you see him in a towel or in a kittel, and on one hand you see the elevated, you see the nature of the side. Look at that, you see him on a motorcycle, yeah. holding a baseball bat. Right. And you realize that in every situation he, he just followed his nature. Yeah, I saw all the photos, and they're pretty amazing. Uh, but, but, but not to belabor the point, but but with that in mind, in all seriousness, especially as parents wonder if this book is good for their children, their teenagers, those who want to go into chinuch, etc. Um, imagine, and and again, you know, excusing the term most are safer, but imagine if one really would improve in one area of their life, or would incorporate. Let's put it that way: would incorporate one of the strategies or one of the uh, methods that Rabbi Trank used with his Talmidim and with his fellow human beings into their own lives. It would be a tremendous victory, a, 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 an incredible uh, injection of, of, frankly, Mida Tova into someone's uh, personality. For sure. But uh, my only, all I'm saying is that, you know, there's something called osmosis. I don't think anybody's going to have to incorporate anything. I think they're going to read the book, and it's going to happen. Right. It's going to happen. When, right. you, when you hear good music, you dance, right. unless people are watching you. Right. When you when you read this book, you're gonna you're gonna find that happening. I, I, I know it happened to me. I can only imagine getting it concentrated like in a single pill in a one volume to read this book. Bam! It is pretty amazing. Rabbi Yisrael Besser is with us. The book is called um, "Just Love Them: The Life and Legacy of Rabbi David Trank." I think the title's obvious, but we'll explore it a little later on for a moment. Um, and, and this personality that you just described, that you just alluded to. In terms of summing up, or by Trank, funny enough, a lot of the stories uh, really have nothing to do with the classroom. He was a great Talmud Chacham, obvious from the book and from what you just said. A great teacher, an unbelievable Rebbe, again obvious from the book and the things that you help us explore through it. But some of the stories have absolutely nothing to do with the classroom setting when every Chasson is hoping that Rabbi David Trank will be at their wedding just to dance in front of them. When you go to a dinner and, and he interrupts an award presentation to his brother, Rabbi Bender, by, by deciding to stand on a chair and declare to the world what, what, what's really going on here, what people need to take away from what's happening in terms of this award presentation. When he's yelling from the back of an Aguda convention session with a lot of people in the room, that we that we must focus on those students who are not being accepted to the yeshivas, or God forbid, somebody who's lost out there without any guidance. When all this is happening, this is these are not stories from the classroom. This is his personality coming out in in very unusual for most people circumstances. An amazing thing, Nachum. You said I go to convention. I didn't say it. It might have been an OU convention or NCSY convention. We we don't know which kind of convention it was. That's an assumption you're making. But but going on, uh, absolutely, the world was his classroom. That means, uh, you know, he'd go on trips. I, I wrote this in the book. He'd go on ski trips with his boys. He'd go on mountain climbing trips with his boys. Right. Any, anywhere and everywhere he was teaching them. Everywhere he saw opportunities. And most of the lessons I heard in this book were not from the classroom. You know, I, the, the Talmud who drove him, Rahman to his chemo sessions over the last year, has so many stories just from those, those trips in and out of Manhattan. In his last days, I wrote over there, Rabbi Frank would be wheeled into the hospital in Manhattan, and instantly he was friends. I think he would walk into, I don't, I don't know if you saw this, he was being wheeled into the waiting room. If you'd see somebody in either a Yankee cap or really anybody who looked like a sports fan, Rabbi Frank had a tremendous memory. He used that memory. He remembered every time that he ever had, everybody who was ever in Camp Monk, anybody who was ever in Yeshiva with him, anybody who he ever met, every well, he knew everybody and everything. He also knew the, the lineups of the Yankees of the 50s and 60s. He knew every single detail, every single game. He remembered <laughs> plays, and he would use that information. So if he saw someone in the cap, he'd say, oh, Yankees, do you remember the playoff series? Do you remember the World Series against the Dodgers in 1956? And they would start talking about the players, and he found a way to breathe life, literally oxygen, into those rooms. People sitting late and waiting for chemo sessions. Not the best frame of mind. Yeah. Not the best mood. Not, not the best ambiance. And he would come in there, and he had the whole place rolling. Within minutes, I, I wrote over there a story which is so meaningful. He, he, uh, he was wheeled in, the, the Talmud who drove and told me the story, and he saw a guy in a baseball cap, an Italian gentleman, and the guy looked completely dejected, unfortunately, waiting for chemo. 
And uh, Trent said, good day. It's going to be a great day for you. So he said, no, it's not. We all know the truth. We all know why we're here. So Robert Frank said, I see we're in the baseball camp, and he did his thing. Yankees, the Dodgers was better. See, we read for Campanella. You know, they went through the name. He was better. That, that play, says, after about five minutes, the guy was so animated, he said to Robert Frank, Rabbi, you're my rabbi, and it's going to be a great day. Thank you. Wow. He, he had this ability. Uh, so, you know, so often we tell ourselves what Kiddush Hashem means and what it doesn't mean. He was a guy with, with, with his beard wearing two yarmulkes in the waiting room of the hospital because he wouldn't make a brocco without a hat. Right. But he didn't have the energy to wear a hat. Right. He wasn't feeling well. So he wore two yarmulkes, blowing out Kiddush mind in a whole different way, showing what it means to be a Jew who's consumed with the faith of humanity, with everybody around him. Rabbi Yisrael Bester's with us. The brand new book about the life and legacy of Rabbi David Trank is called Just Love Them. It's out today. His yard site, Rabbi Trank's yard site, is tonight. You have to, you have to, with me, tell the story of the kid who was suspended from yeshiva. A move, by the way, that, that Rabbi Trank, if you read the book, probably wasn't very much in favor of to begin with suspending someone from yeshiva. But now it's Rabbi Trank's responsibility, or he took the responsibility, I don't remember the exact details, to drive this young man home, right? He needed a ride to get home because he has now been suspended. Rabbi Besser, do you recall Do you recall what happened after that? I, I don't know which one you're referring to. We have quite a few. The story, the story, story, I'm, the, story I'm, the story I'm referring to is he tells the student to get out of the car and to sit on the steps of his home. Um, he told him, right. And he, he, and he, he says to him, and he says to him okay, to and he says, you were thrown out, you were told to go home, you've gone home now, now get back in the car, we're going back to Yeshiva. Right. And that's... Move up a couple of feet, reversed, right. get back in the car. Right. Now, now, that's not, now, that's not just a story about someone, you know, helping a kid with the letter of the law. He was supposed to go home. He's gone home. Now let's go back. He's obviously making a statement that, you know, th- there may be some who feel this is where you belong, but I know where you really belong, and you're going to go with me and, and, and belong there with me. Right, but at the same time, there's a tremendous respect for the essential rule system of Yeshiva. And a lot of the stories you'll see the, the, the ability to walk a tightrope between discipline, which he believes in. He believes that there needs to be rules, right. there needs to be a structure. Right. But at the same time, at the same time, he knew how to operate like like the Rebbein made this world, like Rashi says, he made it for Din, and he saw it wouldn't work only with Din, so he had to make it with Rachman, judgment and mercy together. Rabbi Trent had that down. He emulated his creator in this way. That There was there was Din in terms of the fact that there was discipline and there were rules, but at the same time, he always worked with Rachman, and he knew how to work right. within that system. So his Talmudim... I but 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 on. but some of those strategies work so well. You know, when when the high schoolers are breaking into the kitchen or into the lounge, which every high schooler, no matter what their background, no, no matter how great a tzaddik they are, have done. He he stands outside saying to Hillim so that they can hear him and and uses that approach <laughs> to let them right, know. So they wait, uh, the Hillim, they had they had broken into the teachers' room and they were watching a movie. Right. The VCR. Right. Remember the days of VCRs? Yeah. As simple as today. Sure. So you had to go find a way to get the. VHS tape on the jackets and again and the and they're in there watching they're in there watching a movie and he knew exactly where they were. He never wanted to see who it was. He just stood outside and screamed at Shiramal So it ripped them to shreds because they were caught, but they were never exposed. Right. They were never revealed. They were never embarrassed. They were never castigated. He knew it and they knew he knew it and that was enough for him. And he, he just stood outside and they just walked out. That's what's so amazing. It's a positive on both sides. He's getting the point across. Right. He is disciplining them, but at the same time, he's and not. I care he, about you, right? He's and not. I love you, and but you he's not. Be here, but he's but not, you're not bad people, right? They may feel embarrassed, but he's not embarrassing them. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, they're not being exposed. They may feel exposed because you know, but it's good if they feel that way. But they're not being exposed. They're not being. You know, brought to the office and reamed over what they've done. You know, our yeah. good, our good friend, Larry, our good friend Larry Spivak's in the book because oh, because he's because he's a Talmud and there's a story there. Larry helped his parents uh, once Havdalah started. He had to run with his parents to the store because Sunday was a very big day at the newsstand in the in the candy store in the shop because 
you know, the, the the newspaper Sunday, you know, before folks, you folks, you may not realize this in the age of in the age of tablets and iPhones, but you know, Sunday was a really, really, really important newspaper day, and those sections had to be put together. And Larry would be with his parents, and it would take late into the night to get everything set up for Sunday morning, and he'd be very tired and sheer Sunday morning, and made those off. And Rabbi Trent used that as an opportunity to laud him, to laud him for his kibbutz avaim instead of cr- chastising him for falling asleep during the shear. As which has which has been the, his experience previously to get up, you know, yeah. tapping him on the head, throwing a pushka at the table to wake him up, and they were saying, "Look at this boy! Look at this boy who's tired from keeping out of aim. Rest, rest. Keep your head down, Larry. Speed, he called him. It is really Speed. right. Keep your head down. <laughs> right. The whole thing is unbelievable. I'll tell you. He also had, you know, he knew he knew what pop culture or pop references were all about, as you said. Um, when you talked about the Yankees and Dodgers, you know, it's, he, he was familiar with the news of the day and what people who were outside of yeshiva were very into. So he actually came up with his own expression uh, for the abbreviation LSD, let's start davening. Right. And for let's pot, put on tefillin. You know, <laughs> like, and, right. and when he would write these terms on the board, the boys were like, wow, I can't even believe the Rebbe even has heard of these things. And then, of course, he gave his own twist. Uh, to these, uh, you know, to these, and and all that, you know. Again, I'm not saying every rebbe has to be like this, but when you're able to incorporate, when you're able to show that you know what's going on and you know the world that they're living in, but you just want them to be different and better than the people on the outside, it goes so much further uh, when it comes to educating our youth. He he developed his own doctrine. He was really a unique person. The jumping and the dancing and the singing and right. the techniques. And I, and I wrote this for somebody asked me on a tank. It was so the mirror yeshiva was your classic yeshiva, your classic Lithuanian style yeshiva. You didn't have people jumping around. And he said, if I'm, I have to compete with a seven foot tall yellow bird, which is where they're getting their entertainment from, then I have to be equally entertaining and equally dynamic. So when I re- heard the story, I went over and I, I was Googling around. Uh, me, I thought Bigger Bird is, is, you know, from, from 1905. I had no idea. And I, I was reading about Sesame Street and it said, that is Big Bird, the character, was introduced in the mid-60s and started to gather, gather theme in the latter half of the decade. Right. And Robert Trank was teaching, and it was here, 67, 68. Was, I was like, wow, this is the truth. That Big Bird was the phenomenon then. It was the new guy, and the, the boys were into it, and they got them a lot of their education from there. And he felt that he had to, so to speak, take that and elevate Big Bird into the classroom into a way to teach Torah. The whole thing is unbelievable. And by the way... You know what? Yeah, go ahead. Do you know what Trank's favorite song was? To speak to your duo, both hats you wear, as the as the great authority on Jewish music, His... and also as the most talk show in the Jewish world. By the way, and, 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 but you and you one second, one second, and I'll tell you why I'm interrupting you. You and I have never discussed this either off or on the air, correct? I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wonder if you and I ever discussed this because there's a song, there is a song. And I have it on my notes here to ask you about this song. My question to you was going to be. Did you think of this song as you were writing this book? And if you're going to tell me this is the song that he loved, <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to, I'm telling you, this, this is going to be historic in these Siegel Besser conversations. <laughs> uh, I don't know. And, and we've made history before. So it, even more historic. Is it possible that his favorite song was The Ninth Man? Holy moly. Are you, are you serious? You so good. Of course I'm serious. Oh, my gosh. Was, I have it written here. I was gonna, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was I was going to ask you if you thought of this song as you're writing this book for a year. Yeah, uh, not only I think I want to tell you something. After the show, I'm going to send you footage of him while the song is being played. But, Nachem, you got to hear this. In his yeshiva, in the Yeshua, in the later years he opened his own yeshiva in Lakewood, he would do carpool every morning. Carpool meant he picked up every boy from their house, most cases, it meant going into the house and waking them up. Boy <laughs> after boy, walking in many houses. He had the combinations of the house. In one house, the parents didn't want him to come in. They were uncomfortable with him just, you know, striding into the house. Right. So he had a baseball bat in his trunk, and he would knock on the window of the boy till he came out. And he picked up a school bus driver, picked up every boy in the street that had no dormitory every morning. And every single morning, he played the same song on the way. And it was the ninth man on the team. And the reason he loved the song... You know, you don't need to explain why. Yeah, of course. But why he loved that song because in in, in the middle of the chorus there it says, uh, "Since I am their Rebbe," those words, 
I mean, in this song, the Rebbe feels like sometimes it means you got to pick up a baseball bat right. and hit a home run if you're coming. Because whatever they need, you got to be there for them. Since I am their Rebbe. Those words, since I am their Rebbe, at one point I wanted to call the book, since I am their Rebbe. Ooh. I told this to A.B., to A.B. Rottenberg. He said to me that a Frank would see him and he would hug him and hold him and say, that song, that song, since I am their Rebbe, you would get emotional. The first time he told A.B., the first time he heard the song, he cried. He, ended, he felt that A.B. Rothenberg in that song uh, uh, expressed American Chinuch, what, what the mandate and the role and the mission of an American rabbi is. You, it's with a baseball bat, and it's with a baseball bat. You have, you have stunned me with this one. Absolutely stunned me. Um, those, And I have to say this, because there are a lot of people, believe it or not, some in the younger age category, some who are just not familiar with a song that was written and released in the 1980s, if you're not familiar with the song The Ninth Man from the very first Journeys album, that's the song we're referring to. Listen to it and you'll see how it will enhance your reading of the biography of the great Rabbi David Trank. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Rabbi Yisrael Besser is with us. The book is called Just Love Them. It is now available. It is the life and legacy of Rabbi David Trank. Everything at artscroll.com during the month of June is 25% off for 20 bucks. I'm not kidding. I'm looking at the price right now on the website. For 20 bucks, you could change the uh, lives of the people in your family with this book. And I'm not even exaggerating. It's, uh, it's an amazing uh, look into the life and leadership of somebody who was a, uh, a giant in the world of Torah and the world of Chinuch. And, um, and, uh, uh, his yard site is tonight. Rabbi Trank's first yard site is tonight. Keep that in mind as well. The book is called Just Love Them, The Life and Legacy of Rabbi David Trank. Rabbi Yisrael Besser is with us. He is the author of the book. Uh, again, The Ninth Man. you got to check that out, everybody. And I was going to say earlier, um, the the and again, we're not going to get political, Rabbi Besser, but you know that when I had the galley in hand, you know that I circled this paragraph on page 57. Uh, when... I know, I know, I know, I know which one. I, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> So the, the reality is, and 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 I'm so you know, when I first saw the story come up in front of me, I said, "Uh oh, this is not going to end well." And then, sure enough, uh, he he understands that the young man in his school really feels the need to show his support for Israel by going to the Celebrate Israel parade, and he tells him to go. He says, "You really need to." He tells him to go. The reason I'm bringing it up is not just to have fun with you about the topic, but I'm bringing it up oh. because because there was an era. There was an era where everybody across the board in mainstream Jewish education understood the importance of Talmidim, of students not being cookie cutter, not being cut from the same cloth, not being the same, and that students need different things. And I think in every, and I'll blame everybody now, I, I think in every part of our community, we're now, we're now much less sensitive to that and expect Talmidim, expect students, and Talmidot, I would say, female students as well, to be a certain way if we teach them and guide them a certain way. And, and, and even though I'm not, I'm not advocating for what yeshivas should or shouldn't do and whether they should be going to parades or not, I'm simply saying that it's such an important thing to keep in mind. And frankly, and frankly, it's good to have the approbation of Rabbi Trank, who I think, based on the paragraph on page 57, you'd agree, would have agreed with me. I don't think he'd agree with you. I have to think it's whether you just said once again, as we so often do off the air, just now to be on the air. I don't think, I think that the yeshivas, I don't think that they're advocating a cookie-cutter approach and that they've lost individuality. I, I think that we have to appreciate what the story is about, but I just want to take issue with what you said earlier. If you look at secular American culture today, right, look at a typical teenager in secular American culture growing up in the system, right? So by the age of 15 or 16, we're not going to do this on the Malcolm Siegel show, but they have no idea who they are, right? They're being, they're, they're being offered to make decisions about whatever, orientation, life choices. They have no idea. Everything is open to them. And in the category they choose, there's 20 other categories, right? Right. Look at the unrest in the American streets over the last month. Nobody really – yeshivas are going the opposite way. They're saying too many choices is also not a good thing because you don't even know what you stand for. You have to stand for something. We're giving you a belief system that maybe it looks like you're sacrificing individuality, and maybe a little bit we are. But at the same time, we're giving you an identity. America has no identity. Okay. Look at the streets. Look at the look – okay. we can talk about the Democratic Party and the streets another time. But look, I think that the yeshivas are proven. If you look at the American street today, uh, what we saw over the last few weeks alone – 
the achievements are justified. Okay. So I may maybe maybe on a large scale slash political level there is some justification, but th- that's not the point I'm trying to make. I'm trying to make a. a, a I understand. I just I just felt I had to take issue. No, with, I I hear that. The, I I hear that, and I think it's a good debate. I'm not conceding yet, but I think it's a good debate. But what what, what I'm trying that one day we could do that. What I'm well, you you get back into the studio one day, Rabbi Besser. We will do it. I have a feeling your I, us- I have a feeling your usual summer travel schedule is not going to bring you to New York this time around. But uh, but, but we'll see what happens. But anyway, uh, my point being that if he saw a talent, and I have to believe this was true in Camp Monk, I have to believe this was true in his own yeshiva, if he, and, and just the way he reacted to certain things that the boys had, had done and projects they undertook, whether it be cooking or anything else, the way he reacted to, to things that were completely out of the realm of main, mainstream Torah study, um, even the sports example, I, I think – would 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 indicate that he would encourage if it was done in a kosher and safe manner he would encourage young people to pursue these special interests and to use those special interests to enhance their avodas hashem which again i think is a debate out there whether in fact you know great rabbis think it really does enhance youngsters avodas hashem when they do this stuff i think he'd be on the side to say it does is that a stretch or is that or is that it's a short out of stretch. I think that the, the mainstream achievement movement also believes in the barrier of sports. But I mean, Frank was definitely an early attachment believer. He would raise money out of pocket to rent the JCC every month to shop. Right. The boys in Adelphia to swim, play basketball, and he would sit there watching them. And Talmudin told me he would sit there watching them as if they were learning in the best mountain. Right. Such joy. And such a, you know, I have to tell you, so I can say his name. Great guy. Sure, you've been in touch with him over the years. Chasko Bennett. Right? Sure. Such a great African. Such a great guy. Hassel Bennett told me, came to Delphia, not a great student, but he, early on he discovered at 14 that he likes to play drums. And he's playing, and he was like so many others, he became a comet in Camp Monk first and followed his Rebbe back to Delphia, not the other way around. 14 years old, he's playing drums in Camp Monk, and he feels, while he's in the middle of playing, color or whatever, he feels like somebody's over his right shoulder. And he feels the presence. He turns up and looks, and his Rebbe's there, his eyes are locked in on Chasko. He's drumming along with him, like he's imaginarily moving the band right. in rhythm with Chasko's drumming. And he understood at that moment that his rabbi telling him, if you're good at this, like to quote his exact words, if you can drum or shoot a basket or sing or dance or speak, then maybe you could be good at learning too. And maybe you could be good at life too. Yep. Now, fast forward 20 years. Chasko yep. Ben is a successful businessman, a respected Oscar, and he's making his first DMA shot. Right. Big deal. He decides instead of making it in a shop in a hall or in, in, in a big in, in a big in a banquet, he's going to make it at the Adelphia dinner tribute to the people, Rabbi Shane and Rabbi Trank, who brought him to this point. He wants him to celebrate with his rebellion. As he gets up to make the Siyama Shaf at the Adelphia dinner. And as he's about to say Hadrin Allah Shaf, he feels somebody over his right shoulder. And there's Rabbi Trank looking on, beaming, he says the exact same posture and the exact same expression as when I was playing the drums at Camp Monk when I was 14 years old. Yep. It was just the same, yep. the same cheerleader. He had seen that, and to him, this was all one. Go do your thing. Go live big. Go fulfill your dreams. Go conquer your dreams. And by the way, when we talk about, as I opened with, about learning one thing and incorporating one thing, if we could get our rebellion and our community and our greater community to, in fact, when they do take, and to their credit, they do take their Talmidim, to play ball, to supervise when they have, you know, a gym sessions, etc. If we can get them, and I, I'm being careful how I say this, but I think you know what I mean. Many of them will will sit and learn, will do other things, will maybe on a phone call, you know, while all this is going on. But the, the but when they are observing, appreciating, and commenting on what the boys are doing on the basketball court or on the baseball field, it goes so much further. And that's and again, not to criticize anybody for for what they may do when, when they're sitting on the sidelines it's all important but but just your book and Rabbi Trank's actions teach us just how much of a difference those small little things make in the life of the students uh, for sure again I can't comment on what other people do right do, right Trank, understood somebody, he had a boy who came from a cathedral background right but Rabbi Trank said there's two things you need to learn when you come one is how to play ball and two is how do people talk how the boys talk right. on the court the slang Right. The language. Right. What's an alley what, what, he, he sat with him and taught him the terms of, of how to play basketball with the boys. And that he shouldn't be an outsider, not only in the game, but in the culture of basketball. Right. He understood that. 
you know, um, <laughs> some of the other things that, that you write about. I mean, he and his brothers would lift their mother from the Shabbos table when she insisted on cleaning up. And they said, no, 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 we're going to clean up. And they would lift her and, <laughs> and bring her to, to a couch to rest because because they, they that's how they knew that if they didn't do it that way, she's going to go straight to the kitchen. So this way they made sure. Okay, he, was, he was elaborate in everything. He was larger than like in his B.O. Summit and in his Dalad Minim and really in his Alo, in Salmalekhan. He did the, everything he did was exuberant on a grand scale, you know? Didn't do things small. They so said, we would tell, you know, we would say, Ma, lie down. Right. And he went to the, a step further. They said that uh, being in his shear was like walking into Disney World. They said seeing, right. seeing him was like watching the Energizer Bunny. And believe me, those are two very complimentary things for <laughs> for uh, modern American kids to say. Yeah, yeah. People may right. think it's degrading for a Rebbe to be referred to in either of those ways, but it's a big, big compliment, and that's the feeling that they had. Could you imagine if every sheer, if every classroom uh, in our community felt like Disney World? Could you imagine that if, if people did what he did, asking the first question of the morning, how did everybody sleep last night? You know, I'm, again, not. I'm not crazy. Uh, I'm not. I, what was the second question? You I, that? What the Nixon? What the, what, what the Nixon Rangers the do last do? night? Yeah, right. Right. and and I, I had a I had a couple of rebellion like that, by the way, uh, along the way. I really did. You know, and I and I it, I, I mentioned this to to Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowitz. You know, Rabbi Mordechai Marcus, the Art Scroll Giant. Some would claim. Uh-huh. Some would claim one of the greatest. And I don't want to say the greatest. That would be ridiculous. But because who would want to get into an argument like that? One of the greatest gedolim to ever touch the shores of the gedolei Torah to ever touch the shores of the United States of America passed away, as we know, during this whole COVID episode. He was right. my. He was. Right. He was my rebbe, a long, really? long, long time ago. But but already at a time when he knew basically shots by heart. And we know this because as a teenager, I could tell you plenty of episodes and conversations we had with him where it was obvious that he knew most of Shas, if not all of it, by heart already by then. But he would get into conversations when he saw that our interest was basketball. He would tell us what he remembered from the old NBA. And he would help compare the players of then with the players of, the, of, of his era. And, and this is what I'm thinking of 40 years later, that this is the type of Rebbe he was, that you know, a, a Talmud who was not... You know, who didn't have the greatest capability in Torah study, he still felt, you know, that there was it was important to to to, to make and then and then solidify that bond, you know, by discussing other things. I, I remember having conversations with him about halachic trivia, you know, things that we, you know, I like calling it calendaric trivia, which I'm always discuss, discussing and, and I'm obsessed with with the Jewish calendar. And nobody, uh-huh. no serious Talmud Chacham spends time on, on that topic, analyzing the calendar with his students. Because yeah, everybody else calls it a calendar nerd. You know that, right? <laughs> exactly. But he, he just had this, it could have been basketball, it could have been what's for lunch, it could have been calendaric stuff, and obviously it could have been real Torah questions. He just had this incredible patience and love for everybody. In fact, when you put this on, I didn't know Rabbi Trank. As you know, I didn't know Rabbi Trank. But when you put this title on, Just Love Them, uh, th- that's the feeling I got thinking back to that era with Rabbi Marcus. And now explain to our audience why you chose this title, because I would assume, as the first yard site approaches tonight, that you probably had a million different titles you were considering over the year. Right. So it's interesting. You know, we've done other books with our school, several Baruch Hashem. And usually we offer... Rabbi Zlotowitz, the Tasha Rabbi, the, the I, I don't want to use the word the generic, because none of them are generic, right. but I, w- I, w- I would call it the traditional style title. But there was a, a sense here, as you see throughout this book, that there's nothing traditional about Rabbi Trank. Everything is about creativity and originality and innovation and just being different. He exploded. He was a different kind of person. Uh, I have there a story out at a Torah of convention. You mentioned earlier he was a little bit of a heckler. You know, he would call out, but because he was Rabbi Trank, Everybody respected his right. He had a right to his opinion. So they had this really exciting presentation for Abayim and Machancho at a Torah Mitzvah convention, and everybody was spellbound. It was really, uh, the, the atmosphere in the room was great. Everybody was enjoying it. Everybody was engaged. And Rabbi Chang screams out from the back, Rabbi Nayowitz, you know, to the head of Torah Mitzvah, right. wouldn't it be great if we could do the same thing that's being done for us in our classrooms? That means you always believe that you have to be as original and colorful, as creative as possible, like you said, in order to be able to successfully convey Torah to people. Nobody wants to teach an empty classroom. You could have bodies in the classroom, but it's still empty 
if you don't have their neshamas, if you don't have their hearts, if you don't have their minds. Yeah. So we knew that the title here had to be something a little more. I don't know if Gedalia uh, told you last week, but the relationship between Gedalia and Rabbi Trank right. was bad of a Rabbi in a town, but it's right. extremely personal, extremely deep, you know, uh, forged over years of camp monk, first as a camp, first then Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Gedalia and his wife. And Mrs. Lada was sat at the table with the Trank, Rabbi David Cohn. It's a very, Dave Silverman, it's a very special table in camp monk that they sat after over 20 years, and they became very, very close sitting together. So this book meant a lot to him, of course, and he also understood the importance of a title that reflects the uniqueness of the man and his mission, his brochure. So we kicked around, like I said, since I am there, Abby, we kicked around so many different titles over the years. Then somebody told me a story, young man of Mike, who was going into Chenach. And he took a job in a high school that wasn't a traditional yeshiva high school. It wasn't boys, a lot of the boys that went to public school, wasn't a classic yeshiva. And he was coming from the Lake of Beit Medrash. He wasn't sure that he was suited. Tough kids. He wasn't sure he was suited to it. And he wanted Chenachton. Someone told him, you can't go into a high school classroom without talking to the authority, Rabbi David Frank. The problem was, was less than two years ago, Rabbi Frank was already sick. He was already sick with his final illness. Uh, it was hard, but this guy went to his house, and he, Rabbi Frank was, like, not feeling great. He looked a little bit pale. But the guy came in, he introduced himself, he said his name, he said, I took this job in Brooklyn at the high school, and he explained the nature of the school a little bit. He explained the nature of the challenge and why he was worried. And he, he asked Herbert Trank what Herbert Trank thinks is the most important technique to use. Herbert Trank was kind of nodding off. He looked like he didn't even hear the question. He wasn't feeling well. He was undergoing grueling chemotherapy treatments at the time. And he didn't seem like he was present at all. His head was down, drooping. Herbert Trank looks up, finally, and with all the energy he could muster, he says five words. He says, just love them. Love them. And he goes back down. He, he, his whole chinuch, man, in 50 years of chinuch, he consolidated into those two sentences. Just love them. Love them. And I heard that story. I was like, okay. So he told us himself. He told us himself what the title should be. This person asked him all his questions, and he answered it with that sentence. And, and we all understand the answer because your parents, we, we talked about this a lot, Nachum also, over the years, the parents and children. When you really love your children, then your instincts tell you, you know what you have to do. You know what the right thing to do is because you love them. And, you know, a, a mother knows when her child is hungry. A father knows when his child is family about something. We anticipate these things because we really love our children. So if a tranquil thing is you could bring that into the classroom to really love every child, then you'll know yourself what to do. You don't need so many seminars. You don't need so many techniques. You don't need, you don't need so many conventions because you know yourself what you have to do like your parents. Pretty amazing. By the way, one final point before we start to wrap up, and uh, we're going to wrap up in a very uh, interesting way because um, uh, I traditionally, especially with the way this conversation has gone, I would play the Ninth Man right after this conversation. Uh, but there's a special uh, there's a special song that's been written in memory of Rabbi Trank that we're going to discuss in a couple of minutes. And again, his first yard site is tonight, so we're going to debut it here at uh, JM in the AM. But one last point I must make because uh, it's such an important issue, and there's so many people in our community around the world who are suffering with this issue. When Rabbi Trank um, and, and his wife, obviously, have, uh, uh, as well, but you, you, you'll get my point in a moment. Uh, when, when it seemed that, um, that medical experts uh, thought that he would not have children, that they would not have children, um, his, his answer, and, and I'm not quoting the book, but I, I'm giving a, a paraphrase of what I'm, of, of the, of based on the way his re, he reacted, how he wrote, how he reacted. I'm assuming that he said something like, it is not you, the doctors and medical experts, who will decide if we have children. It is HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he only who will decide if we have children. And I, I think that, that you know, sometimes we forget, especially in many, many situations, uh, people lose their job. You know, they have to obviously do the Hirshtadlis, but they also have to remember that, you know, it's up to the one above who's going to, you know, if I, if I put in the effort, it's the one above who's going to, you know, judge what kind of Parnassa my family's going to have, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think it's a really important message to keep in mind. And I could just see, I could just see him saying uh, what I just paraphrased in reaction to, you know, a situation like that. And I, I, would, I would assume that not only would you agree, Rabbi Besser, but it's one of the most, because of the sensitivity of that area that so many people suffer from, it's probably one of the most important things mentioned in the book. Right. So just to correct it a little bit, it's an important and a crucial correction. Um, he, his wife, we, we should talk about his wife, because in, in, in the story of Rabbi Trank is an incomplete story, if you don't understand the role of Rabbi Trank, a woman who's ready to move out to Adelphi, New Jersey, 
1972 to a chicken farm with one other family and raised her family there and basically let him go. For the next 40 years, she had no idea if he was coming or going. He was all over the place, special person. But when the doctor told him that four years after the wedding, you're never going to have children, he was actually despondent. He heard it, and he fell apart. And she looked at him, and she said, I don't understand. The doctor is Hashem? Mm. You're a father. So he, he, he was human enough that it hit him hard. And he, was not, he wasn't okay right away, meaning he heard, right. he heard this from the doctor, and he took it like, like a lot of people would. Wow. Just the end of the road, it, it, you know, it took him a minute, and he always credited his wife for having the presence of mind and the solidness to react the way she did to lift up his spirit. And she said to him, the doctor's not a shem. What, what are you falling apart from? You well, could use this a lot to be mechazic, as you just mentioned, so sensitively. Tell me that we're going through this messiah. You know, similar challenges where they're told things that they can never, or this will never happen, or that will never happen. So he would remember his wife's innate chachmah, her instinctive chachmah, what a way to uh, wrap up this conversation by uh, acknowledging the support system because people like Rabbi Trenk, without the, uh, without the right wife, as you just described, and without the right family, without the patient people around them uh, in, in so many areas of life, not just Chinuch, uh, would not be able to accomplish what they can to the fullest without the incredible support system that you just described. The book is called Just Love Them. It's uh, an Art Scroll publication. Rabbi Yisrael Besser is the author. Uh, we've spent a lot of great time with him this morning here at JM and the AM. I want to recommend uh, uh, the book. It's on the website at artscroll.com and at your retailers. Everything this month at Art Scroll is, uh, is, uh, is um, 25% off, including at the retail establishments. You could literally get this book for 20 bucks. Now, I don't know if Rabbi Besser likes to hear that, that after a year's worth of work, someone could actually pick this up for a mere $20. But Rabbi Besser, I'm sure you'd agree that you'll be very happy if more and more people have this book in their home. Nothing makes me happier, and, and nothing <laughs> would, be, would be a greater such a trend that you should be able to continue to be involved. And it's credit to the good people at our school that they recognize this as well, that it's really about getting to this book and its message into as many homes as possible. The good life-changing is overused. Everything is life-changing and life-altering and unprecedented. This book is life-changing. No question about it. No question about it. And uh, it's not just your, your endorsement as the author, but uh, I, I will endorse it and encourage everybody to read it and let their, their kids and their and their uh, and you know, all family members, especially those who are uh, men and women who are considering going into the area of chinuch, into Jewish education, I would even say any education. Pick up this book; it will be a life changer for you. And check it out on uh, artscroll.com. Uh, right, Besser. Before our uh, final goodbye, you know what we're going to introduce? We're going to introduce a brand new song. Joey Newcomb was uh, approached to do a song that encapsulated the message and the life of Rabbi Trank. Tell us about uh, uh, the song that is entitled Just Love Them. Just Love Them, right. So, again, it, it ties into the fact of the originality and the creativity of Rabbi Trank. We felt, and a lot of them I felt, that a book like this needs to be brought to the people in a three-dimensional way. Because, like you said, it's Lazarus. He was in sending out his message. And this is exactly what he would have brought, you know? The ability to use music, create not just text on a page, but text on a page, combined with the visual, which will end up with a music video, combined with the audio, with this incredibly uh, a song that's so hard. So there's nobody better than Johnny Newcomb. First of all, he himself is already sitting with boys all day in a parish and his voice, his ability to convey timeless messages is really unparalleled. He's the voice of today. So he took a pasta, and the words are based, the Hebrew words, Los Encarnas words, Gunnar Pasta, Gunnar Shea. Not such, you know, words that people are not familiar with, but they're very, very familiar to people. And the pasta says like this, I will pull them with cords, when you pull an animal, so you need different kinds of ropes, right? When you pull a truck, you need chains. You know, my priority is that in the winter. How do you pull a human being? I will pull them with cords of human. How do you pull human beings? What do you use to pull human beings? With cords of love. You know how you pull another human being? With love. By loving them, that's how you move them from point A to point B. The Balatanya, in, in the Zephyr, and he uses these words, where he explains that you can influence other people. Quote and drawing on this topic. Joey took this topic, and he combined it with his English words, just love them. Even when it's rough, see past the surface, 
and just love and only with love, only with love. And he found a way in his Joey way to musically pay tribute to the idea of the Pasuk and really celebrate the legacy of Hadabba Trank. With all of that, I have a just love them. Love somebody you know what they need. Then you're able to help them. And they buy into it too. Pretty amazing. Rabbi Besser, I look forward to seeing you. Uh, we have not had any in-studio guests since Rabbi Krohn walked out here on walked out of the studio on the twelfth of March. But maybe if you make it to New York, we will finally we'll finally break through and make that post-COVID or 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 whatever you want to call it exception, and and be able to sit down face to face. together again. That would be amazing, Malcolm. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. It's a pleasure to watch you and listen to you interview. I learn a lot from you every time. I appreciate that. And Mazel Tov on the book. What, do you have a new project yet? Is there a next project from Art Scroll, or that's not to be revealed <laughs> Believe yet? Believe it or not, no rest of the way. I'm in Carmel on the way to Toronto. I started a new book, Baruch Hashem, over the last few weeks, and I'm on the way to an interview right now. And you won't tell us the subject? I will tell you the subject. I actually introduced her to Frank on your show last year. I thought it was in my sophomore studio, and that was the first time I discussed having Frank publicly on your show. And you didn't let me down, so why not try it again? <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> the, the, a big part of what we do, on scroll and, and myself combined, is try to figure out biographies that are based on the needs of the generation. Right. We're responding to a certain thirst or a certain interest. Baruch Hashem, uh, it's, you know, certainly this was true a few months ago, and that's the first time when everything settled down, I'm sure it will continue to be true. There's a lot of young guys who are doing well in business. The young guys were doing nicely. Different people found a way to make money. The, the firm was commercially over the last three years. And there was a sense that when you read a book about a God, so you read a book about Rabbi Yashif, it's going to do a lot to you, but it's not to teach that it could be in the workplace or as a wealthy person. We, we need to provide role models to people in that realm as well. We've got to in the classroom. Moshe Reichman was the preeminent, not only Torah philanthropist, but his dignity, his nobility, his honesty in business. He stood head and shoulders for a generation, Moshe Reichman, at, at one point, the fourth wealthiest human being in the world. The talk of the last few years, since the past five years ago. And uh, everything fell into place. And when she ended, I threw myself into this bus. I'm just getting started, and I'm so excited to be able to work on a book that can bring a different kind of different kind of lesson, a different kind of message, and meet a different demographic. Pretty amazing. Well, we are certainly already looking forward to that one, that's for sure. Rabbi Besser, I thank you so much, and Mazel Tov on the book. It's amazing. Thank you, Thanks for everything. Rabbi Yisrael Besser, prolific author, writer, columnist, author of the book Just Love Them, The Life and Legacy of Rabbi David Trank. The song Just Love Them, Joey Newcomb, world debut, JM in the AM. The with the ropes of men I pulled them in What are the ropes of men? How do you pull people in? Be a voice With cords of love Cords of love only with love is only with love. Em Only with love, only with love, you'll pull in with love. Only with love, only with love, you'll get in. So just love them, 
J.M. and the A.M. World Debut, Joey Newcomb, Just Love Them, in memory of Rabbi David Trenk, whose yard site is tonight.